Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. I've got a local with me today um, from just down the street in Colorado Springs. Well, maybe 60 minutes down the street, but uh, <laughs> he gets to see this amazing place every day called Garden of the Gods Road. If you've never been there, it's this park that has really cool red rock that can only be called Garden of the Gods appropriately. So uh, Dave <laughs> Carpenter is the founder of Thriving Into Retirement. I just learned earlier today that 10,000 people reach the age of 65 per day. So that means there's a lot of people thriving, getting into retirement, how they thrive into retirement. Well, that's some of the things we're going to talk about today. So Dave has experience with IBM, Cognizant, Perot Systems, if you're familiar with Perot, a long career in IT, and, and now he's moved into thriving into retirement. So Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chad. Good to be here. Yeah, I don't get to talk to too many Colorado uh, folks. So I think out of probably 35 or 40 episodes so far, you may be the first in Colorado. So I'm happy to I'm happy we get to have another Colorado. Are you a native Colorado or are you a transplant? I'm a transplant, but I got here as soon as I could. So I, you know, I consider that to be native. So I, I moved here uh, gosh, about 27, 28 years ago. So I feel like a native. Okay. Yeah. That's, I would say that's native. I moved when I was five from Wisconsin. And, and so I'm about as close to a native as you can get. My brother moved when he was two, you know, so he's, yeah, he's pretty close, pretty close, but yeah. we are still cheeseheads by birth. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so before we dive in, help me understand what is thriving into retirement? What does that mean? What are you helping people do right now? Uh, that's a great question, Chad. And um, and really, what I'm um, working on this is uh, for me a bridge into retirement. So you know, one thing when I talk about retirement, um, and I think this is going to be probably a, a more and more common theme going forward, is that it doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know just hanging up the you know the laptop or whatever it is and uh, turning on the TV and kind of doing nothing for the rest of your life. It's really more. What does that next chapter look like? What, uh, you know, what sort of purpose or, uh, you know, objective are you looking to achieve uh, for the next, uh, you know, segment of your life? And so for me, uh, this is uh, a website, a company that I've started with, uh, you know, website involved. And 
you know, it's, it's really exciting, uh, you know, way to get people thinking about all aspects of what it means to thrive into retirement. Just like in, uh, you know, the, the, what we'll call the rest of your life, it, you know, what, what you make, uh, what you earn for a living is not the, the full picture of, uh, you know, how, um, you know, how awesome your, your life is. There's obviously many aspects uh, that would determine that. And retirement is really no different. Uh, first thing that people think of when you talk about retiring is uh, how much money do you have saved up? And obviously that's important, but that's not the whole picture. And so, uh, you know, what we're striving to do with thriving into retirement is to provide uh, some insights. So in, in forms of blogs and, and articles uh, into what we mean, what are all the various aspects of your life and what, what it might it mean to uh, give focused attention to those as you prepare to uh, thrive into retirement. That's uh, outstanding. Yeah, so it's just, it's really meant to provide a number of resources for people beginning to think about what uh, what it might look like to have an awesome retirement. Well, I mean, for me personally, I think of it like going up to the Grand Canyon and then there's a big ditch there and how do I get across to the other side? And it's right. what yeah. what's all involved, right? There's a lot of yeah. things, paperwork and what am I going to do with my day? What about my ski yeah. pass to Winter Park? Right. Uh, all those kinds of fun decisions in life. So yeah. it's really neat what you're doing. Well, let's rewind the tape a little. I like to let our audience get to know you a little bit to understand where your perspective's coming from by rewinding okay. all the way back to six, seven, eight, right? Some of our first memories as kids, kind of before the world put blinders on us and expectations of what our life should or shouldn't be, um, we, we have a passion for, for what's out there. And so what was yours? You know, I, I know what mine is, but what, what were you passionate about when you were younger? Okay. Uh, so one thing I really loved to do starting about when I was six years old was uh, play hockey. So I grew up playing ice hockey. So that was always a passion of mine. And uh, right around that time too, six, seven, eight years old was, uh, even though I could barely write a complete sentence, I kind of had this idea in my mind that I wanted to uh, be able to write for for a living. So the, I, those kind of seeds were planted uh, in me early on. Nice. And ice hockey. So we didn't talk about where you came from before the transplant. Which state was that in? <laughs> Actually, California of all places. So I okay. grew up in Southern California. And uh, this was before the arrival of Wayne Gretzky uh, in Los Angeles with the Kings. But uh, nevertheless, it was uh, you know, it, it was a fairly popular sport and then grew even more so uh, once Gretzky arrived. But I grew up, like I said, from an early age uh, playing hockey. So I always sad. had high regard for the ice hockey skaters because I was a roller skater. So oh, okay. Skate City yeah. had this thing where you could play in a roller hockey tournament. And I was I was just skating around people. And I remember this one season, yeah. we actually had uh, boy girl mixed teams oh, nice. and and it was cool because i was i remember being so good and my dad gave me the stick just a couple weeks ago he gave me the stick back that i used and oh, you can see mine's great. the blue one my brother's was the yellow one and his has a lot lighter use than mine it's all rubbed <laughs> off the stickers but i remember going down the court and shooting but then I, you know there's a time where it flips and you go hey wait it's not about me and i was i was all about me in the early days but oh, then sure. you know maybe a season in 
I'm like, you know what? That girl's pretty good at what she's doing. Hey, let, let me dump it off to you. And then you score. And then, Hey, now let me let you drive and you dump it to me. And we got into this rhythm where it was like fun to be able to teach other people the skills that I had learned and All right. yeah, way more fun and goosebumps in that than doing it myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it really, uh, from an early age taught the value of teamwork and what it means to be, you know, part of a team and an important, you know, uh, cog in the wheel, but still, you know, the whole team needs to, uh, to do great, you know, uh, together. What was your, um, I guess there's positions in hockey, just like every other role. What was your position usually? Well, I always played goalie. So, yeah, I'm, I was a crazy one, uh, you know, dumb enough to stand in front of those slap shots coming in at <laughs> 90 miles an hour. <laughs> wow. Well, that goalie, I mean, I've been watching some of the tournament and um, when the Avs didn't make it and Tampa Bay Lightning uh, did. And, yeah. you know, I think Knights are out now too, right? It's down to the final. That's two. right. Yeah, they're golfing too. Yeah. They're golfing too in hot Arizona <laughs> or in hot Vegas. But, yeah. um, Interesting. Yeah. The goalie is a, a very important piece. So that, that think about how does that now tie into what you're doing today? Is there, you know, the teamwork piece, obviously more specifically the role of the goalie. I wonder if there's some tell of why you like to take the slap shots in the face, like you said, <laughs> and now what you did in the IT world, maybe you were taking slap shots to the face all your life. <laughs> Well, I think, uh, you know, one thing it taught me, Chad, is um, is the idea of, you know, the buck stops here, or maybe I should say the puck stops here. You know, you're kind of the, you know, the last last line of defense, right? And, um, you know, certainly a, a part of the team, but uh, you had, a, you know, a, a function that was unique in that if somebody else on the team makes a mistake, you're there to cover for them. But if you make a mistake, it shows up on the scoreboard. <laughs> Wow. Um, you know, so I guess, uh, you know, maybe that's how I ended up, uh, you know, kind of leaning towards, you know, leadership role, but one in which I felt like it was important to me to try to make the team uh, succeed together and not it's all about me or all about you. It's, you know, how can we uh, succeed as a team and that, you know, the team uh, succeeds together or, or fails together. And I always preferred to, you know, try to help us to succeed. Can, can I write in Dave Carpenter for president in 2024? Because <laughs> it feels like we could use someone that ha that takes a different view of the world these days. <laughs> I was just a normal know. business leader is all I really need. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe a goalie from a hockey team would work. I, I think that's what we need. You know? <laughs> yeah. On all sides of the fence, I think we all need a little something new. Um, that's right. Tell yeah. me about a painful memory. And, you know, this is a podcast, so you don't have to share your deepest, darkest, painful memories, but everybody <laughs> faces something and somebody may be listening that's going through something in life, right? Maybe they've just lost sure. a job or they're unemployed or whatever. I mean, we just had a neighbor that I learned today didn't make it through COVID. He, he, oh. and so literally across the street, there's 20 cars parked up and down the street. And I go out and, you know, take the trash out every week. Hey, Bob, how you doing? And I just yeah. found out Bob's Bob's made it to the other side. And I'm just like, what? Wow. How is yeah. that even possible? Um, right. So, you know, we all go through stuff. What's right. what's one of those mountains you had to go through and, and looking back, how did that maybe help you become who you are today? 
Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, there's <laughs> obviously life. You know, is woven throughout with uh, you know stories of you know painful memories, things we had to you know challenges we had to overcome, and uh, you know while we're in them, you know we never think, oh gosh, I'm glad I'm going through this awful time, but. When we come out the other side and we look back, you know, usually those are the things that we can point to uh, that had probably the, the biggest contribution to making us who we are today. Um, I would say that uh, probably one um, <laughs> big challenge that I faced, uh, which turned into a painful memory was, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, I worked for several large uh, global consulting firms and uh, there was one particular situation uh, where there was a huge implementation uh, for that was really important to the company as a whole. It was a multi-billion dollar, multi-year deal. Um, and it was way behind schedule in a lot of trouble um, already, uh, just a year in. And you know, really nothing had been accomplished that should have been accomplished. So I was asked to step in and uh, take over a piece of it and do what I could to get this crucial piece uh, back on track. And, um, and so, you know, I, I agreed to do that um, as a good company guy and, and um, you know, it inquired or required, you know, regular travel back and forth from Colorado to New York City. It required um, 80 or more hours a week worth of work. Uh, evenings, weekends, working on the plane. It was just uh, from, uh, you know, basically I poured a lot of my, <laughs> my life into that uh, program for the better part of three years. And, you know, the good news is that after all of that and, and really, and, and again, I'm not trying to say it was all about me, you know, it was bringing the team together and, uh, you know, really encouraging a lot of people to bring forth their best effort. And after all of that, uh, we were able to get things back on track and, uh, and catch things up. And uh, for a brief period of time, you know, the, the company was, was happy, the client was happy, uh, you know, and it was, it was really, you know, a, a golden <laughs> uh, time when we were able to, you know, kind of get things back on track and, you know, everybody seemed really happy. Um, so that was the the good news or, you know, you kind of get over the mountaintop. <laughs> uh, but then unfortunately, you know, like with all good things, you know, it had to come to an end and, and the way this came to an end was probably the most painful part, you know, so for a little while, the team, we were all, uh, you know, sitting on top of the world. Uh, but then uh, there was a leadership change at the senior executive level within the company. And it came all about the bottom line and the dollars and cents and, uh, you know, given that this was a global company, you know, there was a sense that uh, labor arbitrage, in other words, you know, trading low cost offshore resources for, you know, a lot of the high cost uh, resources we had on, on site, that became more important than uh, any uh, ability to achieve great results. And so, you know, myself and a number of key people within my team uh, were, were let go um, from the company. And it was just, um, it was, uh, I guess, eye-opening how quickly that happened. And I actually had my immediate manager who loved all the work that we had did and that we had done and had nothing to do with the decision to move people out of the company. But he said, you know, picture yourself standing at the edge of a pond 
and you toss a pebble into the middle of that pond and there are some ripples that that go out from that spot to the edge of the pond and disappear and that's uh, that's how these large companies view us and you know we're, we're maybe that ripple traveling across the surface of the pond for a little while but you get to the edge and and uh, you know who are you you know <laughs> and so it was just uh, really painful, I guess you could say, in, in the way that whole thing went down and after achieving such great results and you know, pouring, all of us pouring mm -hmm. so much of our lives into that engagement for so long for it to fall apart so quickly like that. It was just, uh, it, was, it was really painful. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. it. It reminds me of the, there's a YouTube video of Steve Jobs and I think it was Next and they, you know, he mm. had a huge oh, yeah. team that poured it all in and, you know, and, and he's such a great visionary that anybody would have followed him into that. And then, oh sure, yeah. and then it didn't, it didn't play out as planned. So he obviously learned a lesson as the leader. You know, I was recently at an, at an event, the Our Living a Better Story event in Utah. We, we did one about six months ago. March. Okay. And Arjun Sen is a friend of ours. And he's, uh, he happens to work with some pretty big celebrities like Tiger Woods is one of his mm. customers. And he's so he's always looking at the world in a different way. And there was this crankshaft on a table, a glass table. And, you know, it's probably 12 inches around the first crank. But then there's some little ones and some big ones. And then there's the ripple at the end of the shore, like you talked about. And it's a big table, right. maybe six feet around. And he said, Chad, you're the CEO of a company. What I want you to think about is when you're turning that crankshaft, it, look at the one way down there. It's running hmm. 100 miles an hour. And the one you're turning is just going like this. So it feels like you just made a tiny little move. But right. the guy that's on the airplanes and planes, trains, and automobiles working 80 hours a week, <laughs> putting in blood, sweat, and tears is like, whoa. So it's interesting right. looking at it from both perspectives, right? I'm sure the leader of the company was waking up every day, having pains and thoughts about, oh, yeah. oh, what am I going to do? I've got a board to answer to, right? And you're doing your part and everybody else yeah. is doing their part. And it just, it makes you really look at the world. There's not a, 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 a right or a wrong answer. It just, right. there just is, you know, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> just you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great way to put it, Chad. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fabulous. So what did you, what's the takeaway? I mean, that happened, I assume middle early of your career or, and then, you know, now you've had a lot of experience since then, I would assume. No, actually it was uh, later on in my career. So I, I did, move on from that company, obviously. Um, I, I took a, you know, I was kind of at that crossroads in my career, you know, should I um, pursue, you know, sort of a CTO, CIO level role, you know, kind of continuing on the growth trajectory, or should I, uh, you know, perhaps continue in a, you know, leadership capacity, but not, you know, try to uh, take that, that next step. And, you know, kind of uh, enable um, other things to to happen in my life, other priorities in my life to sort of take center stage because, um, you know, this other thing had taken center stage for for so long in, in recent years. And, uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't say it had a negative impact on any of my relationships, but it just wasn't necessarily um, where I wanted to be focusing, you know, 100% of my attention. And so it did cause me to take a step back and say, you know, what is it that I would like my next step to look like? And so I, 
it, it led me down the path of, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, king of the world, you know, top of, you know, sitting on top of the mountain to still add value and, and to help people, uh, you know, both in my IT career and it also, you know, perhaps enables, you know, a few more cycles in the day for me to, you know, uh, maybe spin up this, uh, this little entrepreneurial startup with the idea of, you know, maybe growing that into something that could help people, you know, longer term and maybe more people, who knows, you know, so it, uh, it did cause me to take that kind of step back and, and think about and reflect, you know, what I wanted my next uh, stage of my life to look like. Yeah, that's great perspective. Um, I remember in my MBA, there was a professor who it was probably IBM, if I think about it, it was one of the big companies. And he mm. showed, you know, you as a leader, and then the employee works with you. And there's a big circle on the top and a little one on the bottom. And he would say, look, your job as the manager is to kind of lead from the front in the beginning. And then over time, the big circle starts to drift off to the little circle. And the, the right. big circle becomes the, or the little circle by the employee becomes the big circle. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so, you know, it was a neat visual. And there's a point where you, you're you in a job. He said within 18 to 24 months, most people learn 80% of the job that they're currently in. Mm. So by the time you're at that stage, it's okay, give me more. Right. And so you get to a point right. where you just keep, because you want, you know, as a, as a human being, you want to learn and grow and continue to yeah. be better at what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, but there's a point where you get to, you know, just like you said, Hey, is a director big enough Is a VP big enough? Do I really need to be a CIO of a big company? And there's right. a point you just have to look yourself in the mirror and say, my goal is not to rule the world and to buy an airplane. Like, no, right. there's better things than that. Now, some people it may, that may very well be, and that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, but more power too, it's yeah, important sure. to look in the mirror and understand not what other people are expecting of you, but what you were made to do and be in life. Right. And right. That, that's kind of what I've learned over the last several years. Yeah, no, I think that's a great lesson. And you're absolutely right. It's spot on Chad. So, if you were, this one's a little interesting because you're, you're doing this business now, you've been in IT and that's the, what, what would change everything? Like if you could just say, you know, snap my fingers and poof, I've got it. And, and it, you know, some people might think of a physical thing. I don't think that's probably your scenario, <laughs> you know, yours is, right. but what, what would that be if you could change one major thing? I think, you know, I've been, um, you know, as I've alluded to, I have a full-time job in IT and uh, kind of, you know, as, as many <laughs> uh, waking hours as I can, uh, you, know, you know, spend and, and stay awake to, uh, you know, to work on this other um, entrepreneurial venture, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have any, any other way, but um, you know, now that I'm starting to get it off the ground a little bit more, I need to be providing content for it and uh, doing, you know, I've been doing a lot of research and, uh, you know, probably doing more and more of that would be, you know, really helpful. So if I could, you know, have that poof, you know, snap my fingers and have it go any way I want, it would probably be that I would, you know, be able to, uh, to, to make that, that shift, you know, kind of, uh, cold turkey overnight as opposed to gradually growing it just to, you know, kind of, uh, I guess you could say, set aside my full-time IT endeavor, um, not again, not to just sit there and do nothing, but to really be able to get, uh, you know, focused attention on this other venture so that I could, uh, 
you know, get it off the ground quicker. And I um, mean, you know, really with the goal of trying to help more people, uh, you know, over time. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that would probably be it as if I could get that, uh, get that going sooner rather than later. So, well, and it's cool. It's funny because I, I was sent this button called the easy button yeah. from Staples, right? Yeah, sure. That was easy. <laughs> yeah, it still works. Yeah. But, so TK Cater was the CEO of ToutApp, which was a big player in the space. They sold the Marketo. He became the head of strategy for Marketo and he helped them sell to Adobe. And in a 10 year span, he went from being, you know, self-admitted kind of overweight kid to CEO to major player in strategy to successful mm -hmm. entrepreneur in shape, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of it. And right. so he, when he left, he created a um, program for entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs to teach them how he did it, right? And how to mentally mm -hmm. get your arm around it. And my biggest challenge was always cash flow, right? How do you stay? And it still is. Right, <laughs> but yeah. he sent me the easy button. And, and it reminds me every day that, hey, if you really want to get in front of the financial stuff, you have the math skills to do it. You've got the selling skills to do it. He's like, just do it. And so I put garbage in my head that gets in the way of that equation. Mm. And, you know, thinking of your IT background and your ability to build systems and build teams and run teams efficiently, right. you probably have the easy button sitting on your desk to make it fast forward to the end of the tape quicker. But for whatever reason, there's that mountain that we put in our way to get there, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great perspective. And, you know, it, obviously the, um, you know, the, the thriving into retirement is, you know, my immediate term focus, but, um, you know, I've, I'm also got in mind that I'd like to work towards, you know, multiple income streams and, and, you know, so potentially even, um, uh, you know, do independent consulting as, you know, kind of a part-time thing as well. And, you know, just looking to leverage my experience and expertise and, and uh, optimize, I guess you could say the different ways in which I could help, you know, people or, organizations to thrive yeah well and it's funny because sometimes the you know the trainer needs the needs another trainer right because you can yeah, help people right. with thriving into retirement and yep. then and that's how it works i mean as yep. the ceo of a prospecting company that uses ai for sales and then sometimes you look in the mirror and you go wait we haven't been using all that stuff for the last six months <laughs> you know what happened there so it's right. kind of funny um yeah. Okay, so this is fun. I like the conversation. What, um, let's flip this question on its head. There's, I once walked through an exercise with this really smart guy. He did it in an hour. So I'm going to shorten this to like two minutes, but okay. he basically took me through this exercise that said, okay, you go out into a field and there's this very large bird, like a joust, you know, that you played when you were a kid and you can jump on the bird and it flies you safely into the future, like 20 years. And you okay. get to meet your future self. And so you shake your hand. You're like, hey, Dave, wow, good to see you, bud. You look pretty good, you know? <laughs> and so you, you take inventory of the whole scene, like where the house is, what mm -hmm. is it on a hill? Is it in a field? Like all of it. And then you look around and you notice what's in the house. And then, you know, you, you kind of wrap it up and you kind of say in passing, hey, you know, any advice you would give me? You know, you're my future self. Like, what do you tell me? And then you get back on the bird, you come back to now. 
I run that exercise sometimes. And it's fun mm. because when you can visualize that so with such clarity, you can actually realize, well, wait, that vision that I just saw, mine was in the Mediterranean somewhere. And I had a little, I was a little windblown. I looked maybe like the Marlboro <laughs> man or something, oh, you know, you white shirt and everything. <laughs> but I'm like, well, what if I don't want it to end like that? What if I don't want it to be like that in 20 years? So, you know, there's two right. things you can get out of it. One is, well, what did you see? And then what, what would you want to see? So, you know, thinking through that, again, we did it in fast forward, but what sure. comes to mind from that exercise for you 20 years from now and then coming back? Well, um, you know, one of the things that I would be, um, you know, that I'm looking to do um, with the next chapter of my life, my, my wife and I have a significant uh, bucket list of uh, travel uh, destinations, both uh, within this great country that, in which we reside, as well as internationally. We've, we both have, you know, we've traveled uh, in, you know, various places in the world, and there's places we want to go back to. Uh, and other, uh, plenty of other places that we'd like to go see. Um, so I think that would be part of it, you know, that we um, have been able to check off some things on our bucket list, but ideally the bucket list hasn't gotten any shorter because for every one place we go visit, we, you know, meet somebody that says, oh, well, if you like this place, you should go here and here and here. So if anything, maybe the list has gotten a little bit longer, but we're still checking things off as we, as we go. So, you know, that would be part of it. Um, I think, you know, for me, and, and this also gets into the, you know, thinking about what, uh, what, a, what a thriving retirement looks like is just, you know, what is, what is like most central or most important to you as you look forward? And for me, you know, one of those answers is connecting at a human level with, uh, you know, family members, you know, I've got three grown kids and, um, you know, uh, one of them actually just, you know, bought a house with her husband and they're starting to, uh, you know, talk about, you know, getting their family going. And so my wife and I are excited to, you know, at the prospect of having our first grandchild sometime in the not too distant future, you know, so, you know, we're excited about that. And, you know, we uh, obviously everybody strives to be the best grandparent ever. So that would be you know, part of it, uh, you know, so, but also, you know, connecting again at a human level with, um, you know, friends that we've had, uh, you know, then have had over the years and other family members. And we've, we've started to, to do a little bit of that, you know, traveling around and, and uh, meeting uh, people in person, um, you know, especially COVID, you know, has taught you the value of, you know, direct uh, human contact, right? So, uh, we've started, you know, getting back out and doing that. So, it's just, you know, really focusing on the priorities and doing what you need to do, you know, put your, put your head down and, you know, go make it happen. And, you know, and for me, it's uh, setting up some sort of, again, I don't want to just hang it up and do nothing. So, but, but setting up, uh, you know, some, you know, possible business models that would enable me to have that kind of laptop lifestyle. So I could do, you know, work a couple few hours a day, perhaps, um, maybe sometimes more, sometimes less, but uh, average out to that. And we could go and be wherever we want to be in the world and, you know, with uh, people that we uh, cherish uh, doing that. I love that. Um, I read this book and I can't remember the author, Meta Human. Have you ever heard of that book? It's, no, no, I it's haven't. It's Deepak no. Chopra, actually, and it's very oh, okay. thick. 
All right. And the very beginning talks about two birds on a tree and one's looking forward, one's looking over there. And it's mm. basically you. And so if you go above yourself and kind of look down and go, oh, well, you can take. I, so I'm after reading that book and it's been a year, so I don't remember all the specifics, but it almost feels like what if you played yourself in a video game? Right. And you said, well, what's important to you? you? You know, your spirit knows what your body needs and what your mind needs. And so for me, like traveling in the last couple of days, even being stuck in an airport for four hours, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I didn't mind it because I was like, this is so cool to be in an airport and to stay at a hotel with cold air conditioning because I don't right. turn it that low in my own house, you know, and eating at a nice restaurant that you'd never been at before. So right, right. it's sometimes fun to kind of take the 30,000 foot view and say, what's important to you in the next days, weeks, months, year, and then, you know, play the game proactively versus reactively as most of us play it. Right. Nope. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, uh, so I just added that uh, that book to my reading list. <laughs> yeah, it's it's deep, man. I mean, some some of those, you know, you take parts and leave parts. I don't know how much of a Christian man he was, um, but to each his own. There's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. knowledge that's hidden in in all of these different places. Have you ever oh, seen yeah. the the show O oh, Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas? Oh yeah, yep. Oh, to me, that's like the best ever, because when he goes through and he meets all these different people, shapes, sizes, countries, you know, when you're talking about traveling, it's fun to see other people's perspectives on life. Oh, yeah. That's such a huge reward connecting at a human level, like you said. Right. Yeah. So last question um, before we part, and that is around faith. Um, To some people, it's everything to other people. Well, uh, yeah, not so much. What, what role does faith play in your life in how you live your life out? Um, that's a great question, Chad. And, and um, really, for me, it has become everything. It didn't start that way, um, but that's the way it's evolved for me. Um, so I, I guess I would say it has become an increasingly uh, important part of my journey. Um, I realized um, at, at some point in my journey, I realized you don't have to be a pastor or, you know, a missionary or, you know, an official uh, religious, you know, role. You don't have to have an officially religious job to serve God, um, that I can bring glory and honor to him, you know, right where I am, you know, and that, and sometimes, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm convinced that he puts us in a variety of places and we're not all pastors and, and missionaries because we're really, you know, it's an opportunity for us to be a pastor and a missionary uh, you know, mission, uh, missionary, right where we sit. Um, and, you know, working with people in, in technology, um, more often than not, I work with, uh, you know, the a vast majority of the people I work with are not believers. Um, you know, either, you know, I mean, it's just all over the spectrum. Some, some people, you know, believe in other, other faiths and, and some people not at all. And it's just, it's a great opportunity for me to, um, you know, serve, people, um, you know, maybe I, you know, I guess um, I'm not trying to have an overblown impression of myself because I'm, I know I don't do a very good job of it, but, um, you know, to be, um, you know, the, the Bible to people that, uh, you know, that I meet um, to live and lead in such a way that would, you know, bring, you know, um, you know God glory and honor 
Um, and I'm, like I said, I, I can't do that on my own. I certainly, when I do it well, I give all the, all the credit to God. But, um, you know, so, so that's been um, an important realization for me. And it's helped, helped me to realize it's not all about me. Um, you know, and so out of that, I have, you know, really tried to um, live and lead in such a way that is consistent with kingdom principles. Mm. It's fun sometimes when you get up in the morning, you walk down the stairs and you look out and it's a blue sky or it's a rainy day or it's snowing or it doesn't matter. And I just go, that's amazing. How did I get the opportunity to open eyes, breathe in a breath and see all this, right? You're going to have bad days and great days, but every day is just incredible if you really think about it. Right. Yeah. And I think we all have greatness within us. And that's been, you know, something, uh, you know, that that lesson has helped me to uh, work with people, reach people to help them achieve more than they ever thought they, you know, could, uh, could achieve, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's all by, you know, seeing that kernel of greatness within everyone. So, yeah. Did, did you do much in mobile application development in your IT work over the years? Um, not a lot. No, I mean, there, I've had teams that, that worked on that sort of thing, but never, uh, directly myself. I mean, I did come up through the ranks as a developer, but you know, they didn't have mobile phones at the time when I was writing code. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, we're, we're putting an app out and it should have been delivered by now, but I'm pretty particular in the, some of the latest features and functions. And I'm, I'm certainly a bad business buyer and out of scope in the project. So you would, you would be holding me back, but, (laughs) but it's, it's a neat app. My, my son in February had a accident and he's okay. I'll caveat it with that, but it was a burn accident. So he put, you know, he was cooking on the oven, these mail order cook things. And he's an engineer at Colorado school of mines. And so he follows the directions to the T. Well, he finally gets to the stage where it says, put the panko in the hot oil and he puts it in and caught fire. Well, there's no six A or six B that says what to do in case the catch. (laughs) So he does what a 19 year old boy is supposed to do and puts it under the water faucet. Oh, and so it blew up, you know, level two and three burns face and hands and Oh, it was my. like when your sons burn badly and goes to the burn center, you're like, whoa, this was during the time when um, negative six degree weather. Do you remember those days through the winter oh, yeah. this year? Sure. So we go to the burn center and guess what? Most of the beds are taken because there's a lot of people who don't have heat. So, uh, you know, 19 beds, there were 75 patients or something like that. So oh, they're gosh. scattered throughout. Luckily they did make space for them. And, and, but it went from, from bad to okay, like, okay, this is going to be good to worse by day seven, where the face gets puffier and puffier. So you're worried. You're like, what's going to happen to his nose and surgery? And all you can do is pray. And we prayed a lot. My mom prayed all night, the night before the surgery, literally all night. And put out the post to 20,000 people on my LinkedIn following. I had more interactions with that post than any other post I've ever done. Wow. Thousands of people praying and it worked. Like, they took the bandages off his nose. I was like, it, it's there. That's, what happened? This is amazing. <laughs> and his eyes are amazing. He didn't breathe in. Oh, that's great. It could have been bad. He didn't open his oh. eyes. My point of that story is I created this app called 77 Pray. And what it's for is every morning, it's an accountability thing, right? Check the box. Did I pray in the morning? 
Did I read a Bible verse? So it serves up a verse through a pop-up, right? We, yeah. we need to be reminded in our busy worlds today. Uh, and yeah, then did you sure. pray at night? And did you tell someone about the app? So it's going to spread. I really believe it's going to spread so virally. Hey, if we get 500 people, that's cool. I have a feeling it's going to go to a million people. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's it's great. It's just oh, a nice. really neat thing. And then you can crowdsource a prayer. So if you want to, if you got something that you're struggling with, you put it out and you'll see how many people prayed for you last night. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. that's going to be neat. So now that I know another IT professional, I may need to uh, tap on your shoulder <laughs> from time to time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to help. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, as we do these podcasts and talk to so many amazing people, it just the human human connection is where it's at. There's no left yeah. and right aisles. There's it. We're all brothers and sisters and it doesn't That's matter. Right. We're all equal. I don't Amen. care if you're the CEO or you're a bottle washer, you're still mm -hmm. the same level of power and influence under God. And that's what yeah, my mission is. Totally agree. Wow, that's second. great. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for witnessing, sharing your story today. Um, next time I'm in Colorado, my folks are in Castle Rock, so I get halfway there ah, sometimes. Okay. So All right. Maybe we'll have to make a special <laughs> visit and see you sometime this summer. Yeah, that sounds great. I look forward to it. Well, Dave, uh, fabulous having you on the show. Thanks so much. If people want to get a hold of you and talk about thriving into retirement, what's the best way to reach you? Um, well, there's uh, the website, thrivingintoretirement.com, or you can reach me at dave at thrivingintoretirement.com. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes, and we'll. Um, I'm sure there'll be some people reaching out here when the episode goes live at some point in the next six to eight weeks or so. Okay, sounds great. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining another Living a Better Story podcast. We've been talking to Dave Carpenter from Colorado Springs, founder of Thriving Into Retirement. And uh, I'm sure in three years when we do the look back, he will have traveled to some really cool places, built some <laughs> human to human connections that are incredible and witnessed for God's kingdom for, uh, for eternity. So thanks for being part of the ripple. All right. Thanks a lot, Chad. I appreciate it. God bless you today. God bless. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.